This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, May 27th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Today, the U.S. unveils its latest China strategy. But first, our one big thing. Why federal action on guns might be more likely this time. Could Uvalde be the mass shooting that spurs U.S. lawmakers to action that would prevent massacres like Tuesdays? It's a question many are asking this week. And Axios congressional reporter Elena Treen says there are a few reasons to think this time might be different. Elena, first of all, there are a lot of people who advocate for gun control who ask, why aren't there stricter laws? We heard from Democrats like President Biden and Senator Chris Murphy talking about this earlier in the week. What is the sense among Democrats and Republicans in Congress right now around this? Well, it's mixed, Nyla. I think there's a lot of skepticism, justified skepticism, that Congress will be able to get anything done. And they have a bad track record. I mean, especially under President Biden, the perils of a 50-50 Senate have really had a stranglehold on Democrats for a year and a half now. Um, But There are some reasons that this time might be different. Polls have consistently shown now for a few years that the majority of Americans do not believe that gun laws are strong enough in this country. And that's from both sides, as well as the majority of Americans think that universal background checks are needed and they're okay with that. And so it does give a lot of incentive and almost a little more cushion to Republicans who are more uneasy about embracing some of these potential new laws. Um, But some other reasons are this happened in Republicans' backyards. There's this willingness that we haven't seen in a very long time from members on both sides to do something. They're finally talking to each other again. And some of the behind the scenes influences, like from the NRA and others, is not as powerful as it once was. But the Senate did recess yesterday and nothing happened. I'll actually say the fact that they recessed without having a clear vote on new legislation is more encouraging than if they didn't. Really, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is giving members breathing room and kind of a last-ditch effort to try and find compromise. And that wasn't going to happen in 24 hours and 48 hours. It's going to happen over the next week or so. And a new bipartisan group has formed and met on Thursday to talk about this. Of course, we've heard this time and time again. We've heard this over the years when mass shootings have happened. But there is this potential sense of maybe this is the time that the dam finally breaks. This is children again. And it really does make the issue feel more personal and more urgent. I don't want to be overly optimistic. Probably majority of members are skeptical that they'll actually be able to get something done just because of the massive divide in Congress and in the Senate of of where lawmakers are. And you need at least 10 Republicans to, to be on board in order to make this happen. But there is 
a sense of optimism. And that I honestly do think is is a big jump from where I think a lot of people were on Tuesday in the immediate aftermath of the shooting as well as Wednesday morning. People are talking to each other again. So we'll see. I'd, I'd say one fear that a lot of people have is losing momentum. We've seen this happen in the aftermath of any sort of event where Congress needs to act. But Schumer said he's not planning to let this extend for several weeks. He wants to be able to act immediately when they return from their recess on June 6. And so there's hope that over the next few days that they can really come together and find consensus. Axios congressional reporter Elena Treen joining us from Capitol Hill. Thanks, Elena. Thank you, Nyla. In a moment, Secretary of State Antony Blinken's warning about China's power. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Even as the war rages on between Russia and Ukraine, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said yesterday China posed the most consequential global threat. China's the only country with both the intent to reshape the international order and increasingly the economic, diplomatic, military, and technological power to do it. Secretary Blinken's long-awaited speech on the Biden administration's China strategy came just as President Biden returned from his first presidential trip to Asia. Axios' Bethany Allen Ibrahimian is here with the big takeaways from all of this. So Secretary Blinken said plainly the U.S. does not want a Cold War or any kind of conflict with China. So what does the U.S. want? Well, in the speech yesterday, Blinken really emphasized diplomacy. He said repeatedly that the U.S. wants to work with allies and partners to uphold the international rules-based order. And he, he put that at the front end of his speech. And only later in the speech did he really start talking about the challenge that Beijing is placing on the international order. So he wanted to front end his talk with the goal that the U.S. has the larger goal, which is to uphold how it views, what it views as a values-based order, as opposed to simply holding China down. Bethany, there were things we didn't learn in this speech, like how the U.S. intends to handle disputes over trade. What do we still need answers on here? There are several unresolved issues remaining from the Trump-era trade war with China, including billions of dollars of tariffs and China's continued unfulfilled commitments that it made under the phase one trade deal. While the Biden administration officials have been debating what to do, we haven't seen action in that so far. President Biden earlier in the week on his trip to Asia suggested the U.S. would defend Taiwan militarily if China were to invade. Then that statement got walked back. Why does this matter? Well, that's the third time in recent months that President Biden has said something along those lines in public, and then later administration officials have walked it back. That matters because the U.S. has not 
signed a defense treaty with Taiwan. The U.S. has not made that commitment. And to do so would be a massive step on the international stage. And China would view that as a very big provocation. So it certainly moves the needle, you know, in the minds of China's leaders to suggest that we most definitely would defend Taiwan. Bethany, this week, multiple media outlets published a new trove of data that includes images and files on Uyghur Muslims from inside Chinese detention centers. It's pretty brutal. Do we think this would bring other nations closer to the U.S. position on China, which has been a very strong line the U.S. has drawn? I think that the answer to that is is yes. And we've already seen evidence of that because this week at Davos, the German chancellor publicly criticized China's human rights record in Xinjiang. And that's a remarkable statement from the German chancellor who has tended to withhold criticism from China publicly, at least, and also for it to happen at Davos, which is not known as a forum in which heads of state and government tend to air human rights criticisms. What the world has really lacked in this genocide is images, and that's because of China's tight state control of information in the region. Now we have, you know, the images, the human faces that we have lacked, public photos from inside the camps of security drills, so everyone can see the torture devices and the, you know, the heavily um, militarized nature of those camps. It's, a, it's an extremely powerful and crucial set of information. Bethany Allen Ibrahimian is Axios' China reporter. Thanks, Bethany. Thank you, Nyla. One final thing before we end this week. We now know the identities of the 21 victims murdered Tuesday at Robb Elementary School in Ovalde, Texas. These are their names. Usia Garcia. Jose Flores. Amarie Garza. Javier Lopez. Nivea Bravo, Alethea Ramirez, Tess Mada, Lexi Rubio, Layla Salazar, McKenna Elrod, Jace Luevanos, Jayla Siguero, Ellie Garcia, Eliana Cruz Torres, Annabelle Rodriguez, Jackie Casares, Maite Rodriguez. Rogelio Torres, Miranda Mathis, Ava Mireles, Irma Garcia. Each week on the podcast, HBR IdeaCast, Harvard Business Review editors discuss the best business ideas with the world's leading minds in management. It's like getting an MBA by listening. Get Harvard Business Review's flagship podcast, HBR IdeaCast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.